Hi everyone! Welcome to this new podcast of a book with the bubble tea. I'm your host Mira He. At this show, I'm going to share some fantastic books from East Asia that you might not have come across from English media or from your usual bookshelves. But trust me, they are worth your time. Because they are fascinating and inspirational. So, if you are interested to know more about parenting, entrepreneurship, and life from a different perspective, then follow me. The world is yours. Let's go. Hi everyone! Welcome to the sixth episode of A Book with a Bubble Tea. I'm your host Mira He. Time really flies, and it's already August 2023. I just couldn't believe it. I remember when I was a kid, I was waiting for time to speed up, but now, like time went by like a blur. You know, I just couldn't even remember what I did yesterday. It feels like there is never enough time to do everything in a year. It's hard to believe that we are already in our last week here in Taiwan. Yep,、yeah, next week we'll be leaving Taiwan. We'll visit my mother-in-law in Hong Kong. Then we'll head back to Saudi Arabia. Oh, time flies so quick, doesn't it? Anyway, last week something happened, and. To be honest, this is a tiring, exhausting trip for me because I am the only one looking after two kids, and then I'm I have to send them to schools, to take them to hospitals, to do a lot of things all by myself. So to be honest, this trip is exhausting. But the thing happened last week made me feel, oh man, this is worthwhile. Finally, what happened? You know, my son and I actually had a heated argument last week. We had a fight, and for some reason, I cannot argue with people in my own mother tongue, Mandarin. Somehow, it just doesn't work. So whenever I shout at kids, whenever I argue with somebody, it's the English that comes out. So naturally, when I was shouting at my son, I spoke to him in English. I argued with him in English. However, he argued back in Chinese. That really, really shocked me. I mean, in a good way. It really delighted me. Obviously, I was upset that he was arguing with me, but then it made me feel the whole effort of bringing them here to Taiwan is worth it. I mean, they couldn't even make a full sentence when they started, and now they're arguing in Chinese. How amazing is that? I just feel like. You know the hardship of being a mom finally paid off. I think those. This is the moment that I feel. Oh, okay, it's worth it. I'll carry on. I'll continue doing it. All right. So you know that's what happened to me last week. And let's move on to introducing today's fantastic book. Unlike the previous two episodes talking about parenting, today we are going to talk about entrepreneurship. You know when we think about entrepreneurship. We usually associate it with starting a new business. It is right; it is about starting a new business. But if you look at it from a more、um, broader perspective, 
perhaps you know anything starting from scratch we can consider as starting something new. It's a startup, right? And today's book is actually written for those of us who wanted to do something new, but then just don't know where to start. The book is written by a Japanese author called Kobayashi Seikai. The book's Japanese title is called "Yarukoto ga arihito wa mirai shokuto ni kide kudasai." If we translate it directly into English, it's "If you have something you want to do, come to the future diner." Mirai shokuto means future diner. Like Mirai is the name of the restaurant. When Miss Seikai wrote this book in 2017. She had just opened the diner a year and a half ago, yet it was already her third book, and numerous Japanese media outlets continuously interview the small diner near Tokyo's Jinbocho Station. When we say it's a small diner, it's a really small diner. It's there are only twelve counter seats available in this diner. But what made this diner so captivating and profitable, generating over one million Japanese yen in monthly revenue in such a short time, and capture such a wide range of media attention? Well, it's because this diner is quite extraordinary. The diner serves meal in just three seconds, and they only offer one set menu each day. No options like set A, B, C. Nothing. It's just one menu daily. Lunchtime is swift due to the single set menu, but during dinner time, besides the set menu, the owner provides customized side dishes. Customers can tell the owner what side dishes they want, and they can choose the ingredients from the owner's fridge. And they can even discuss about their preferences in cookings, like they want it to be saltier, sweeter, lighter, more oily, less oily. It's up to you, Miss Seikai will tailor it to your desire. Moreover, anyone can actually work for fifty minutes in the diner in exchange for a meal. The diner has no regular employees besides the owner. Even long-term part-time workers don't exist. Anyone can sign up for work shift on the diner's Google Calendar via their website, and everyone can work there and get a meal. Many people visit not just for the food, but to share their own ideas and hear opinions from the owner and other customers. If the worker agrees, Meseka will actually let other customers in the diner to review their business plans together and cheer each other on. Additionally, if someone is in need, they can have a free meal at this diner. The entrance is decorated with many food vouchers left by those part-time workers. Anyone who needs it can use these vouchers to exchange for a meal. And there are many other interesting aspects about this restaurant, like you're free to bring your own drinks, but you have to share half of your bottle with other customers at the diner. And even though they only offer one set menu per day. They actually change the menu every single day, so customers can enjoy a different meal every day. Normally, Japanese restaurants have separate compartments for different coin denominations, like a compartment for one hundred yen coins, another for fifty yen, five yen, and one yen coin. 
But this diner doesn't have separate compartments for fifty or ten or five or one yen coin, because Miss Sekai simply says it's not needed. <laughs> like all her meals are set at eight hundred or nine hundred yen, so there is no need to keep specific compartments for fifty yens or five yens or one yen. This exemplifies the diner's commitment to efficiency. <laughs> And I think this is like the most interesting part about this diner, which sets it apart from all the other restaurants. Because until the end of 2019, Miss Sekai actually disclosed her monthly revenue of her restaurant on her blog, including her earnings, her cost for everyone to see. She even shared her complete business plans online for people to read. This diner truly defies convention. Yet it's profitable every month, and many customers visit regularly. So, what's the secret behind its success? For Miss Seikai, the concept of running the diner is crucial. She describes the diner as a place that accepts anyone and suits everyone. Her business approach revolves around achieving this concept. Moreover, Miss Seikai herself has a unique background. She didn't study anything to do with cooking or business or culinary arts, but rather she graduated with a math degree from Tokyo Institute of Technology. Can you believe it? A math background. And before opening this diner, she worked at IBM, and she also worked as an IT engineer for the famous Japanese recipe website called Cookpad. She said. Opening a cafe had been her dream since she was fifteen, but before actually embarking on this entrepreneurial ship, she didn't even pay much attention to food. She said that if she didn't open a diner, she could happily eat her favorite salt and vinegar pasta for a whole year. Uh, <laughs> actually, it doesn't sound too tasty, doesn't it? Salt and vinegar for the pasta, and even now she often has popcorns as a meal. Because it's tasty and convenient, it's hard to imagine a tech background engineer who isn't particularly mindful about food actually open a diner and introduced many unique practices to run this restaurant. This goes to show that she devoted extraordinary effort to pursuing her dream. She mentioned that she improved her cooking skills by spending every day in the library reading recipes. She said she actually finished reading six bookshelf worth of recipe books in the library. Besides that, she also apprenticed at various restaurants to enhance her skills. She thoroughly documented her entire entrepreneurial journey on her blog. She put in so much effort to transform her culinary skills, and finally reached the point where she could open her own diner. With her busy schedule, many people thought she must be single. Otherwise, how could she do so much? But before she opened this diner, she already had a six-year-old child. And while writing this book back in two thousand fifteen, she was actually pregnant for eight months already. So she said she didn't want to be labeled as a mom entrepreneur, probably because it, in Japanese society it comes with some sort of a connotation or association, which she doesn't want to be 
attached to. But it doesn't change the fact that she does have children and a family. And it doesn't change the fact that her life is super busy. She has to think of new dishes every day. She has to prepare for the diner's operations. She has to manage household chores. She has to take care of her children. And no one is full-time helping her in the restaurant. It's just her. And doesn't it sound a lot like our own lives? To handle all of these, she designed many mechanisms, utilizing the mindset of an IT professional, breaking away from many conventional expectations and norms of the food industry. She ensures that in the limited time, physical energy and mental capacity she has, she makes money, achieves her dream, and does everything for the benefits of her customers. This book is a compilation of her working methods, derived from sharing experiences with many people who part-timed in exchange for meals at her diner. She hopes this book will empower many individuals who might be hesitant to take the first step towards pursuing their dreams. Even though I myself have started several businesses in the past, the ideas shared by the author in this book still make me go, Ah, so that's how it can be. I gained valuable insights while reading it. Now, let me share three points that really struck a chord with me. Firstly, Misekai advised to do only things that truly benefit the customer. As I mentioned before, nothing should be taken for granted, whether it's industry norms or societal expectations. She encourages us not to be bound by these assumptions and to focus on actions that are beneficial to the customers and not harmful to the restaurant only. For example, we often believe that offering various set menus is necessary for a restaurant, isn't it? But is that true? Is the number of menu choices the only factor influencing customers' decisions to visit or not to visit? Misekai challenges these consumptions continuously, experimenting and designing different mechanisms to achieve her vision for the diner. It got me thinking about how we can apply the same approach to break free from the conventions that cause us distress in our lives, such as expectations in family, marriage, work, or even the pressure we put on ourselves. Secondly, Misekai urges us not to chase perfection in everything, but to aim for a total score close to 100, then that's good enough. She makes a valid point that the desire for perfection often hinders us from starting something until we meet all the standards. However, she emphasizes the importance of considering whether that pursuit of perfection is genuinely beneficial to the customers or just our own expectations. She uses her diner as an example. When customer satisfaction depends on various factors beyond just how delicious the food is. However, oftentimes for someone to start a diner, they will focus their attention exclusively on how delicious the food is, and that is the single measurement to whether they can open their restaurant or not. But 
how delicious the food is is not the only thing that affects whether a customer comes to your diner. It could be how quickly you serve the meal, the location of the restaurant, how expensive the restaurant is, or the general atmosphere and ambience of the restaurant. So instead of focusing exclusively on achieving the perfect score of making the food totally delicious. Ms. Seikai said you should focus on the total score of different factors to make the diner close to 100. So say, for example, the deliciousness of your food can score 80. But because you serve the meal so quick in 30 seconds, it earns you an extra 15 points. And that makes the restaurant scores 95% in customer satisfaction. So it's very likely the customers will continue to come back because the food is delicious enough and it serves quickly. I found this to be a great reminder, especially for moms like me, who often feels pressure to be perfect in every aspect of life. I need to be a perfect mom, perfect wife, perfect um, boss, uh, perfect worker. You know, I have to be perfect at everything. And I need to look perfect. I need to wait perfect. But instead, we should focus on the overall score and strive for excellence in different areas that matter without getting bucked down by unrealistic expectations. As soon as our overall score is close to 100, then that's fine. That's good enough. Don't need to focus on achieving perfection for each and single aspect. That is unrealistic. And that brought back to one vivid story that I heard from a friend of mine telling me about one day her mom just blew up. Why would her mom suddenly blew up, I wonder? And it turned out to be because the mom is such a perfect mom and perfect wife. She took care of the family wholeheartedly. She would do everything completely devotedly to her family. So what she did in the morning when her husband woke up, she would prepare a breakfast, especially for her husband. And then she would tidy up the dining table after her husband finished his meal. Then her son woke up. She will cook a special meal for her son and then tidy up after her son finished her, his meal. And when her daughter woke up, she would do the same again. She will prepare the third specially made breakfast for her daughter and she would tidy it up. She's such a good mom. However, no one appreciated it. Probably no one even noticed the effort that she put in to those meals and then the effort she put in to tidy up the dining table. So eventually she blew up. I mean, after years and years and years of being overlooked, she blew up. But does it make her family feel like now it's time that we need to pay attention to mom's effort? Not really. The only thing that went through their mind is, oh man, what happened to mom? What is she doing now? Why is she being so ridiculous? So hold on. The perfect mom actually becomes the cause of giving the whole family disharmony. It makes the family members very uncomfortable to being around her. So if you think about that, then why don't you lower your own standard? So instead of aiming to be a perfect mom, perfect wife, why don't you just aim to be a good enough mom? Why don't you just prepare one breakfast and put it on the table 
whether you want it or not, up to you. After you finish your meal, put the dishes in the dishwasher. Done. Not a perfect mom, but you make everyone happy, and that is good enough. Thirdly, Miss Sekai emphasizes the importance of having the right tools and mechanisms to successfully execute a task or to keep you stay on track. She points out that people are naturally lazy. So we need to design mechanisms that keep us on track and make it easy to stay consistent, to carry on doing it until it's done, until you reach your dream, or even after you reach your dream, continuing to do it, to pursue it. These tools and mechanisms should make us staying on track super easy. We should not feel forced into doing something, as this would often lead to burnout or giving up. I could totally relate to this, and I call this kind of tools and mechanism as my bus. And what I mean by that, when you want to go from A to B, if you walk the distance, you are likely to give up because before you reach your destination, you might burn out already, or you might run out of your willpower already. So before you reach there, you've already stopped. However, Why is finding my bus important? Because bus can take me from A to B. All I need to do is to make sure I get myself onto that bus, and then after the bus stop, I maybe just walk a little bit to the destination. Then I'm done. And during the whole time when I'm on the bus, I don't need to work hard to make the bus move. I just sit there, and the bus will carry me to my destination. That's why, to me, having the right mechanism is so important. And I could share with you my experience last year of how I lost weight, because last year I lost about 10 kg. And during my weight loss journey, I discovered that having the right support and system, which is what I call the bus in place, made the process so much easier. And let me tell you, I have tried to lose that 10 kg baby fat for the past seven years, and I just couldn't do it. I tried everything. I tried intermittent fasting. I tried keto. I tried workout. I tried fast metabolism diet, but nothing worked. I have exhausted everything I could to do by myself, and nothing could help me shed off that 10 kg. And finally, I changed my mindset. Right, I need something to help me to stay on track. So I found myself a nutritionist. All I need to do is to take photos of my food and send it to the nutritionist, and she will give me feedback on whether I'm eating the correct food, whether I'm eating the correct portion. All right, great, one thing done. However, the second part of challenge is, is I don't want to cook. I live in Saudi Arabia. It's not that easy to get nutritional food delivered to your door, and I have already had a full-time job. I've already had two kids to look after. I've already been stressed enough. I don't have time to cook nutritional food because if I cook, I might be cooking too much, too little because I'm too stressed, or I'm just cooking the wrong type of food. So I know if I have to rely on myself to prepare for my meal, I'm heading a dead end. It's not going to work. So what can I do here? Luckily, in the Middle East, 
it's not expensive to hire a nanny. And to be honest, every family who have kids will have a nanny. So I turned to my nanny and asked my nanny to please take care of my diet. And all I needed to do was to tell her what ingredients I can eat, methods she can cook, and my preferences. And that's it. Then I totally leave it to her. I only need to give her feedback if she's cooking something too oily or you know, cooking something that doesn't fit my meal plan. And I don't need to do anything else. So now I got a nutritionist. Now I got someone to take care of my diet. And the last ingredient is to find myself a gym trainer, a trainer at a gym. Why? Because after failing so many times, I have finally accepted the fact that I can never drag myself to the gym without someone forcing me to. If I don't have a trainer at a gym telling me to come to the gym, I would not do it. I'm very happy to be a couch potato. So I know if I ever want to exercise, I need to have someone to force me to. So the third aspect of my weight loss bus construction is to get myself a gym trainer. And this gym trainer is at a gym that is only one minute away by foot from my house. So I literally just drag myself out of my bed and in one minute, I'm at the gym. So with these three aspects of my bus construction, finally, I don't need to use any willpower anymore to lose weight. I just take photos and send to my dietitian, nutritionist, and I just eat whatever that's prepared for me. And probably the most effort is just to get myself out of my bed. And that's it. Finally, I had a bus. And finally, I lost that 10 kg baby fat. And then this experience has made me realize how important it is to have your bus if you want to ever achieve anything. And this is the same as what Ms. Seikai said, have the right tools and have the right mechanism set up to carry you on. Even when you don't want to, it continues to push you towards your goal and your dream and your destination. And that gives you a better chance of actually succeeding at achieving your goal. In conclusion, if you're wondering how to start something, or you feel trapped and unable to make a change, perhaps the first step is to pick up this book and read it. The author isn't someone who owns a multinational CEO, who feels so distant, who is such an overachiever that feel like we can never match up to it. This book comes from a woman just like us, who has commitment to take care of, her children, her family, but she also has her dreams and she seeks to realize them. This book doesn't offer any grand theories, but rather shares the author's practical experiences step by step. Reading it feels like listening to an older sister sharing her work experiences at school. Easy to read and totally relatable. And maybe by reading this book, you'll find the methods to take that first step yourself. That's all for our podcast today. See you next time. Bye-bye.